0: All right, good morning everybody. You guys look awesome today. I'm so glad you came to be with us at Daystar. Really excited about getting into this series uh, about doors. We've been talking about the doors that you want to go through, the doors you don't want to go through. We're gonna talk about doors that you have slammed shut in your life that need to be opened, and so that's that's been an exciting series, and I'm glad you're here for that. I do want to say good morning to Daystar Church up in Hartsell and Madison, and everybody that joins us online every weekend, we're glad that you're there with us. Everybody clap your hands for our online <laughs> church. Thank you guys for being with us. Hey, let me give you a little update, testimony, brag on Jesus, brag on you a little bit. Uh, so we, we kicked off the MOVE journey, which we, we called moving from a moment to a movement. We said, you know, our, and I really believe, I honestly believe, this is a, a, an initiative, a goal God gave uh, us for this church, that, that our church has, is expanding its platform and really going to a, a movement, not just a, a great one church, but a movement of ministries in a lot of different cities. And so we, we set this incredible goal back in November, a three-year goal that we're going to see a change to all of our campuses. We have four campuses, all four of them going to completely change, and, 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 uh, and, and it was a big project for everyone. At the Good Hope campus, we're going to change the way people are welcomed, how you come in and out. We want to create more space. For connections outside in the lobby and outside. We want to create green space outside so that it doesn't feel like the Walmart parking lot when you pull up. You know, when you walk out of the door, you feel like, well, it's time to leave. You're going to get run over by a buggy or something. We want you to feel at home. So that, that's, that's a little bit hard to describe, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel warm and beautiful. At our Hartzell campus, now, right now, the Hartzell campus is slammed full of people, elbow to elbow, in worship, in lobby, in parking, and in children's ministry. Uh, we have three services there the 836 service has got plenty of space, but the other two just jammed full and we just need space. So I'm excited that we're going to build a whole new auditorium, a whole new worship center for Desar Hartsel, And then it is on y'all. We are going to take the city of Hartsel for Jesus. Y'all it's going to be big. Give a hand for Hartsel, up in here. I know y'all are excited back in Hartsel. I promise you I've been there. It is so much energy and excitement. It reminds me of Daystar Church in Dodge City. It feels the same way like it's just cramming people in and it's dry powder and we're about to light a match. Blow up! I'm so excited about that. Now our Madison campus doesn't have a building at all. We're literally pulling chairs out of trailers and closets and setting up sound gear and everything every Sunday. We're like pulling rocking chairs out of closets for for kids to be rocked in in the nurseries, like literally every week. But God showed us favor. We bought 32 acres of property in Madison for uh, 25 cents on the dollar. I mean, God just blessed us like crazy. If you know anything about Madison, everybody up there is. Fighting to find land, and something just landed in our lap. It's amazing. We want to build a whole new building, a whole facility for our Madison campus, and uh, and then we've got a campus in Uganda. Actually, we have eight campuses in the city of Imbarara, Uganda, and the one big campus. They they gather together all eight campuses in one location on one Sunday a month. That biggest campus has 7,000 seats in it. It's gigantic. We run two morning services there. And what we're going to do is we're going to preach directly. Our teaching here from the U.S., the same exact video screen, is going to, except way bigger, like as wide as this wall, is going to be teaching our African congregation because there's really no second generation African Christians. Let that sink in just for a minute. Many of you are fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation Christians. There's no second generation African Christians. And so the level of knowledge of scripture is just not what it should be. And we're, we're not going to hope. We're going to literally teach our teaching the same messages we teach here. We're going to teach there. And so we got this great idea. These are four great ideas. Let's make them one idea. Let's do it all at one time. That's either God or insanity. I think it's God. I believe it's God. I'm excited about it. Come on, don't y'all believe it's God? I believe it's God. I really do. You may remember that I told you that in 21 Days of Prayer at the beginning of 2019, God gave me one like this statement that I wrote on my mirror and I looked at it every day for nine months before I knew what it meant. And it says, Jerry, I want you to take stupid pills in the morning. Just forget everything you know and just take stupid pills and start from scratch. And just what could God do if you didn't know about any limitations? And so I challenge our church to raise $5 million above our normal operations over a three-year period and try to pay for all of this as we go. What an incredible challenge that is. We're going to still be day We're going to still do missions. We're going to still do all the things Heart for the Kingdom was doing. But we're just going to give more, and we're going to do it. And I just wanted to tell you where we are so far. Right now that that started, that giving started at the end of November, and as of the end of November to now, which is like ten weeks, we've already raised over nine hundred and forty four thousand dollars. That's amazing. You guys have done that. And listen, it's not like one guy writing a big check. It's, it's like everybody doing something, like just being consistent and faithful. And so I want to keep reminding you of this. Many of you have just been very consistent. You've just, just weekly giving something. Thank you so much for that. Get on board if you haven't done that because it is a big goal. You're going to start seeing stuff happen because with $900,000, you can start doing stuff. And we're not going to wait till it's all rage. We're going to start doing stuff. So I'm super excited about that. Now, let me tell you what else I'm excited about, the Word of God. We're going to be today in Matthew chapter 5. That is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about how to be blessed. I want to talk to you today about going through the door of blessing for your family. If I told you there's there's a door you could walk through, and on the other side of that, God would pour out blessings on your family, raise your hand if you'd walk through that door. That's what I want to try to show you today. I want to show you some steps to get you into the blessing of God, the place that God wants you to go for. Everybody say, blessed. Blessed. Is that the word you would use to describe most families in America today? Blessed. Or would you put another word in in its place? Maybe stressed. Maybe confused. Maybe angry. Maybe broke, as as in financially broke. Maybe broken, you know, in, in, in emotionally and relationally broken. Maybe you're in a blended family, and the word you would use to describe your family is just complicated. It's just complicated. Maybe you're a single parent, and, and the word you would use is overwhelming. Well, the, the scripture we're going to read in Matthew 5 says that, 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 that there's a way for you to walk in blessing. I want to talk today about how to do that. Next week, we're going to talk about the door to your home, the things that ought to be in your home, things that should not be in your home. I don't want you to miss that. week after that, we're going to talk about the door to your bedroom, and we want you to put your kids in kids' church that day. It's going to be really really good. Now, we're not teaching this stuff cuz we got it all figured out. All right? That's, that's not why I teach this stuff. This is in the Bible. I'm striving to get there. I'm striving to be that example, but I'm not I haven't got all My family hadn't got it all figured out either, okay? So, my 7-year-old went to school this week. Y'all ready for this? My 7-year-old went to school this week telling people that his dad said the F-word. <laughs> yeah. Because what what had happened was <laughs> in our home The young man broke wind, and I did say the other F word. He don't know there's two F words, what I'm saying, so he's out telling people, so you know, you don't have to have it all figured out. Are are y'all with me? Say amen. Raise your hand if your kid ever said anything like that before. Come on. See, they like to, usually they run right to me. Don't act all holy, because I hear more than anybody does. Let me tell you what my daddy said. I hear that kind of stuff all the time. So you don't have to have it all figured out. Here's what I like to say. I like to say this, we are not perfect, but we're being perfected by the power of God. In fact, I'd like for you to say, I've thought a lot about that statement this week, we're not perfect, but we're being perfected by the power of God. I'd like you to say that over your own life and on, over your family as a prophetic, like a prayer or a prophetic statement. You know, the, the Bible has a lot to say about the, the power of your words. You know, it says that you can speak blessing or cursing life or death in your, your own circumstances, and that your faith, your faith is determined by the words you say. I can t- or in other words, I can tell what your faith is by the words that you're saying. And according to your faith and according to your words, you're going to live it out. So people who always talk about how terrible their life is going to be, guess what actually happens? Their life's terrible. It just always works out that way. People who always talk about how sick they're going to be, they stay sick all the time. I want you to talk about how blessed you are. And I want you to say this over your, yourself. In a minute, I want you to say, we are not perfect. But we're being perfected by the power of God. Say that with me. We are not perfect, but we are being perfected by the power of God. And everybody said, So we sealed that promise over you. Now here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you are hungry and you're thirsty, for the righteousness of God, your family is going to be filled, then why are so many church families so empty? It's because the things that we're hungry for, the things that our appetite are for are things that really don't matter. And they're never going to fill you. It's like eating junk food all the time. You can eat junk food and and it feels very filling, but it's full of sugar. And when the sugar is gone, you're, you're, you're empty again. And people are filling their life, Christian people are filling their life with what our culture is trying to feed you. My little boy is named after my grandfather. My grandfather, name was Bryant, he used to take me to a gas station and he'd say, Son, go in and get whatever you want. And I love that. I just love that. And I would get a Coca Cola and a bag of peanuts. Come on, old folks, you know what I'm talking about. Where'd the peanuts go? That's what I'm talking about, and I'd do that every time, and, and, and he would tell me I could get whatever I want, and I remember when I was, you know, we, had, we used to live at the lake, and it was a long ride out there, and Bryant's not very patient, my son, and so he'd always want to stop me, and I, 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 try, I tried starting that, I thought, my, you know, the, the, the real William Bryant used to do this, so I'm going to do this with my William Bryant, put him in the store and say, get whatever you want, bad move. That's a wrong move for that kid. It's straight to the honey buns and sweet rolls and all this kind of stuff. And I kept telling him, no, that's junk, that's junk. So at two years old, he starts calling every store, that a gas, station, he calls it a junk store. I want to go to the junk store. Can we go to the junk store? He always wants to. And even to this day, we are fighting to get that boy out of sweets and honey buns and rolls and you know, all that kind of stuff. Son, you're going to be a honey bun one day. Be careful. So he has an appetite for junk. And you know, our culture is full of it. Listen, it's full of it. It's full of spiritual junk. The things we're watching on television, the, the, the programs we 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 stream, the, the the conversations that we have, our celebrities that we follow are feeding us junk all the time, and we're never gonna be filled. That's why we're empty, because we're consuming things that were never meant to fill us. What we've got to do is we've got to change what we're hungry for. So here's the question of the day What in your home, what are you hungering for? Just just think about that. It, in your own life, you're a student in college, in your dorm, uh, with your friends, the people you hang out with at school? What are you striving for? What are you pursuing? What matters most for you? And if I were to say, like, philosophically, what are we hungry for? We'd all say we're hungry for God because that's way too open-ended. But if I said in the last seven days, what have you chased after? What have you pursued? You might say, well, man, we just pursued a, re- a little bit of rest, a break. Things have been wide. We just, you know, we don't want to focus on God, but right now we're just kind of in a chill state. Or, or you might say, you know, we're, we're pursuing sporting stuff, or we're just trying to have fun. Or, you know, some of you, if I followed you around, you're pursuing popularity. What people think about you, what they say about you. Or, or maybe it's image, you know. You got you to ride in the right car. You got to wear the right clothes. You got to have the right social media profile. You got to have people thinking the right. Even at church, like you've been beating and fighting and carrying on all week long, and, and the minute you set foot, on the property of Daystar Church is like, oh bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that was in me. Bless us. You've been fighting and cussing and carrying on all week long, and you got this church image going on. You're, that's really not pursuing God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It's pursuing image. And, and 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 some of us were just pursuing shallow things like money. You know, I want to make more money, gotta make more money, I gotta get a bigger kind and 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 honestly. You, 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 a lot of you, you're making more money than you've ever made before, and you still have this, I got to have more money. Why? Got to get a new promotion, man. I got to go. I got a bigger house. I got to get my, my nicer ride, and and we're pursuing things. Some of you are pursuing like everything through your kids, and that's important. That's why my kid's the elementary student of the year. He's the greatest student of the year, and your it's, it's it's your whole identity is wrapped up in that, and that's all you're pursuing. Some of you are like you've you got a dumb kid. He's just not student of the year. He beat up the student of the year. You're like go Rocky. You're the man. You know. You're just like into you know your kids, and and that's wonderful to love your kids. But are you pursuing God? What, what your kids need to see is for you to be pursuing God. Oh, and, and they will follow that. They will draft behind you when you do that. So here's the honest question. What are you pursuing? If we're honest with ourselves, like we're pursuing a lot of things that, that are not necessarily godly, not terrible. They're good, but they're not God. Do you know the difference in that? Does everybody understand that they can be good but not God? Yeah. They're good things. There's nothing wrong with your kid you know, being the underwater polo Eight and under champion. That's that's great. You know that can't be your identity. That can't be his identity. Those are good things, but there are also some God things. In fact, if you're bold enough, I wrote it in your notes. Three blanks. I just said, "What are you pursuing?" And I left you three blanks. Maybe you write that in right now. Maybe you write it later. If you're honest with yourself, you write down those things and say, "You know, these things can't be. These are all good things, but they can't be ahead of God." So what you have to do is change your appetite. You know, when we did 21 days of of prayer and fasting. You know, every year, I, like I'll, I'll, there'll be some things I really want, maybe cinnamon rolls or whatever during that 21 days or pizza. This time it was, you know, it was like pizza. I couldn't wait for some pizza. Finally had some pizza. It wasn't very good, you know, because your appetite sort of changes. You're just think remembering how awesome that was because you'd been eating so much junk, you know. And when you cut that out for three weeks, 21 days, your appetite begins to change. You know, you could change your appetite. You could. You could change your appetite. From chasing the junk of this world to the things of God. And when you start putting aside streaming your favorite programming and getting into the Word, and putting aside the things that are anti-God and, and chasing after God, you, you, you're filled, but you still want more. You, you develop even a greater appetite for the things of God. And so if you start being hungry for righteous things, God says, I will fill you want to talk about some things that you should and shouldn't do. Let me start with what doesn't work. If you're taking notes, I'm going to tell you two things that won't work. You want to lead your family through the door of God's blessing. Here's what won't work. Number one, legalistic Christianity. That won't get you there. Telling, uh, just, just dividing your whole life around, do this, don't do this. Shoulds and shouldn't, cans and can't, that won't walk you through the blessing of God. That is not the way Jesus leads us. That, that's not who we are. We're Christians. We don't smoke or drink or chew or date girls that do. You know that's your statement of faith. There's a problem with your statement of faith. Okay, all these things that you can't do don't really uh, add up to a hunger for God. You can't build a relationship with God based on rules. I like to say it like this: rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Amen. That's easy to remember. Uh, millions of American little Christian kids have have then the testimony of that fact that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. That's not what we want. Legalistic Christianity won't work. Here's the second thing that won't work. Lukewarm Christianity won't work. That is believing in God, but living like God doesn't exist. And we are covered up with it. We are surrounded by it. I call it cultural Christianity. We live in a country where 80% of America says they're Christians. To say you're a Christian doesn't really mean much in this country. Doesn't really mean that you're chasing after him or you're pursuing God. You know, you can say you're anything. You can say you're a duck, and you might say you're a duck, and you might waddle and quack. That doesn't make you a duck. Makes you a weird person that waddles and quacks. All right, but just saying you're a Christian without literally, really hungering for the things of God doesn't make you a Christian. So so somebody asked, "What what are some of the things that would look like a Christian family? A family that is Christ-centered and chasing after God? Are you having conversations?" with your family where you talk about what God's doing in your life? Are you talking about where God wants you to go? When you talk about you know, what classes and what grades are you asking, well, what does God want out of that? Have we prayed about this? When you talk about the day, did we say, look how God blessed us today? Or are we involving God in, in, in regular things? Are we talking about how God has blessed our family? And You know what? With all this blessing, what, let's do something as a family to bless somebody else. Are you teaching your kids to join a small group and serve, do a serve project and help people in the community or, or serve at the church or, 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 or be generous in giving in some way? Are you teaching that? I thank my mom and dad so much for teaching me about generosity as a child. I've never not tithed in my whole life. There's never been a dollar I made that I didn't give 10% to the Lord. And when I turned 20, I, I, I turned it to 20%. And my whole life has been 20% or more. Every year I give a higher percentage to the Lord. And I, I tell you that just so you'll know, I, I've had plenty of time to turn back and change my mind on that. <laughs> it just gets, keeps getting better and better. The more generous you are, the better you feel. Are you sharing that with your children? You don't have to be perfect in it. You don't have to be the most generous person in this room to sit your kids down and say, hey, let's not just take birthday money and buy more junk. Let's, let's see how we can help somebody. Let's let's give it to Kids Church, and and I don't know what they're doing. I promise you, Kids Church is doing something special with those kids' offerings or whatever. You know, find a way to to tell your kids that things matter. Are you having conversations with your kids about TV programs you're watching? Has it ever happened with your family that you went into a movie theater, and you bought the popcorn, and you sat down, and you just realized what's on the screen is not congruent with Christian values? Hey, kids, I know we started this whole thing, but we're going to step out because this is really not who we're called to be. You ever turn off the screen? You know, 21 days of prayer, uh, day seven, we, we had a day of anointing the family. We taught you how to anoint your home. If you miss that, you, go, you need to every family. Thank, thankfully, they're archived on Facebook. You can scroll backwards and find day seven and watch it together. But we talked about how to anoint your family and your home, and I rushed home. I was the only one here uh, with some tech guys, and, and we live-streamed it to you because it was bad weather, and we encouraged you to anoint your home. I went back home. We anointed each other first. My kids prayed for me. I prayed for my kids. My wife, we all were, were anointed together. Prayed over every door in our house. God, that when we walk out of this door, your covering goes with us. And when people walk into this door, they feel and sense the presence of God in this house. We prayed over appliances would keep running. And we prayed over our cars and bicycles for the kids. And, and, and then we prayed over every screen in our house. Like, like this screen right here. Phone screens, mobile devices, TV screens, that nothing, that we don't allow anything on these screens that doesn't honor God. And you know, about four hours later, I'm watching something on TV, just a regular old regular TV show. Somebody says a word they shouldn't say. Little old -old seven-year-old Brian's like, dad, that was not an anointed word. (laughs) You got to turn that off. And here I got to turn it off. But it just sets a standard for our family. It says to our kids and our family, we're not trying to put guardrails around you and just just say, if you don't do exactly the way I live my life. But it says, you know what, we're chasing God. Here's what I've learned. You don't have to work so hard on being good if you're following the one who is good. You don't have to work at that. It becomes a natural outflow of who you're becoming. Doing the right thing becomes a natural outflow of you becoming the right kind of person. And you know what? God says, Jesus in in, in, uh, Revelation 3, he says, if you're a lukewarm Christian, you make me sick to my stomach. That's literally what it says. He says, you're hot, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're, you're carrying my name and you're not living it up, so that don't work. Let me talk about the things that will work, all right? Go back to your notes. Let me talk about the things that will work. Two little points, they're actually just one point, broken in half. Here's what does work. You say to yourselves, we are not just a Christian family, we're a Christ-centered home. Everybody say that with me. We're not just a Christian family, flip the page over, we're a Christ-centered home say it again in faith. We are not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. What's the difference? A Christian family checks a box. A Christian family shows up for church a lot. A Christ-centered home says before we buy a house, we want to know what what house Christ wants us to live in. Before we buy a car, we want to know if this is the right investment of our funds because those are all God's money. Before we go on a date, we're praying about the right person. Before we go to college, we want to pray and decide, is this the one that God is leading us to? We're a Christ-centered home. You know, just being Christian just puts you in alignment with 80% of our nation, which is not really Christ-centered. Here's what God said. If you are hungry for the righteousness of God, I'll fill you. So what are you hungry for? You know, you ought to get so hungry. How many of you, be honest with me right now, when you don't eat enough, you don't get hungry, you get hangry. Come on, how many of you are sitting next to someone who gets hangry? Come on, that's the easier way to honestly answer this question. So we did, for the first time ever, our family, all of us, did the same fast, except for Bryant. We want him fed and, you know, taken care of. But the rest of us did the same fast. Does that mean everybody got mad at the same time? We needed prayer, all right? When you just really get hungry, did you know that, that spiritual hunger is the only hunger that when you fill yourself, it makes you more hungry, and it's a beautiful thing? You begin to consume the presence of God, the Word of God, serving God, and it makes you want to do it more. It, it really is. And if you think to yourself, man, I, you know, there's something wrong with me. I'm not hungry for the right things. Just, just forget the feeling of it. Just do it because it's right, and it'll start to whet your appetite for more of it. It's a beautiful thing. And before long, you, you love being in God's presence. You love doing the things of God. You love being a generous person. You love serving others and humbling yourself. You become more and more hungry for it until you're like David. Who said in Psalm 63 and 1, you, God, are my God. Listen to the words he uses. Earnestly I seek you. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He doesn't say, God, my God, I, I, I sort of like you. And I long for you when it's convenient for me and I don't have other things to do. You know, part of me really wants to, that's not what that verse says. You can can sense that every bit of him is bought in to the, the presence of God. In fact, if you were to look at that verse and think about it from the standpoint of your family, it might look like this. You, God, are our God, our whole family. Earnestly, we as a family seek you. Think about, is this what your family looks like? We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Now, if, if we're honest, what does your translation of that verse look like? Some of you, if you're honest, you know some people are like, "Oh, popularity. Popularity. I long for you. I want everybody to think I'm awesome and everybody to like all my social media posts. I want the most hearts on Instagram ever. That's what I want. That's what I long for. Oh, championship of the eight and under soccer team. We long for you. We chase you around the Southeast because it's the most valuable and important thing in our life. Oh, brand new car with heated toasty butt warmers. How we long to sit in your warm embrace. We chase you with higher payments and longer hours of work. If we're honest that's what more of our hunger is for. Elbow your neighbors. Aren't you glad our pastor's so bold? Just ask him. Yeah. If that's what we're hungry for, really, it's, listen, I, full disclosure, I've got a truck with toasty butt warmers on it. It's real nice. But if that's your goal, if that's your image, if that's, that's, that's your identity, got to have the biggest, bad, baddest, newest, best, you know, you're not going to be filled. You're never going to be filled. If you're chasing after things through your kids, your whole identity is what your kids have accomplished, you're not going to be filled. God says if you're hungry for the things of God, you, you want to serve, you want to worship, you want to be generous, you want to, you want to take your experience with God to a deeper place than you've ever gone before, God says, I'm going to fill you. But when we don't chase after those things, we're empty and we wonder why, are we, why do we have more than we've ever had? Why are there things that we've set our sights on, goals in the natural world that we've set our sights on, we have attained those goals only to find out that we're just as empty as we were before we reach those places? Why? Because God never promised to fill you, to satisfy you when you reach earthly goals. But when you reach spiritual goals, he said, I'll fill you. That emptiness is never going to go away until you chase after the things of God. So where do I start? I hope today's just sort of like a a light that went off and said, you know what, I don't know that we've opened this door for our family. We've been through the door of sports and athletics. We've been through the door of academics. We do a lot of leisure things together. We have fun. We go on vacations. We've we've done a lot of things with that. But the door of truly walking into the blessing of God, I want to start doing that. Let me tell you three things you can do. Number one, you can involve God in daily conversations. Every day. Every day just making up your mind. We're going to talk about God as a family. Talk about it with your friends. I know it might be a little bit awkward at first with your friends. If you're, a, if you're a student, you're in school, you know, hey, how do you think you did on that test? Well, I don't know. It was tough, but I really prayed about it. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I, just all you said was prayed. Wasn't a big deal. You didn't like hold a Billy Graham crusade in the cafeteria. Okay. You just said prayed. Okay. Kind of sets the stage of who you are as a person. Just involve God in daily conversations. You get up and you drive to school in the morning with your, with your family. Talk about how beautiful the day is. Don't just say, isn't that a pretty sunrise? Just say, isn't it incredible how God made that? You know? Isn't it awesome? You, you, you're going to make a big decision for your family. Talk about praying about those. Which classes are you going to take next semester? Let's pray about that. You know, What college are you going to go to? we going to pray about that. Hey, dad, I really think I'm supposed to date this guy. I really want to go out on a date with this guy. Have you prayed about that? Let's talk about prayer. You know? You, you know, Just involving God in daily conversations where you, where you just recognize God is the one who gave it to us. You know, one of the best things that happened for us and our family recently is, uh, you know, Daystar Church has our own orphanage uh, that, that is ours in, in Uganda. And we have about 200 students there. A hundred of them live there full-time. A hundred of them are underprivileged kids that come in for, for classes and for meals. And uh, our church has been uh, supporting that orphanage for, for many years. And just recently, our mission team... Uh, did a thing where you can, you can adopt those kids. And so Leslie adopted, signed us up to adopt two kids and one for Bryant to just pray for and, and, and correspond with and one for Abigail. And so every night when I put Bryant to bed, um, we pray for a little boy named Shabdeen. That's his name. We've got his picture on the wall and it's been such a good thing for Bryant for me too, to really understand where his head is. Because he's praying for Shabdin to have Legos, you know. And like literally this week, he prayed Shabdin could go to Disney World. And I said, that's, that's a great prayer. Brian's never been to Disney World, by the way. <laughs> Maybe they'll meet. Uh, I said, that's a great We can pray that prayer, but you need to know, son, Shabdin's never been in a car before. He's never left the orphanage, okay? You, you, we're, we're praying for Shabdin to have shoes. Like our $30 a month for Shabdin is so he has shoes and clothes. Does he get toys? Well, I said, we brought him some toys last time I was there, but not really. It kind of gives him perspective of the blessing that he lives in. And honestly, guys, that $30 a month that we pay for that kid, it is a big blessing for him. It's an equal blessing for my son have perspective of the blessing he lives in in the world and have some gratitude and humility about how blessed we are. You know, we're like a fish doesn't know he's swimming in water. We are so blessed because we've been in blessing our whole, we don't even recognize it. And a Christ-centered home helps our family understand how good God has been to us. And that if we clear the next hurdle, it will be only because of the blessing of God. So start right there. Let's just start having God. You could do that today. You could start having God conversations around dinner. I asked my family this week to help me with this message. I text them all and ask them, you know, what kind of things are we doing that you enjoy that makes our home Christ-centered? And, and, and one of them mentioned the, the dinners where we just talk about God and we talk about what God's doing in your life and we talk about your favorite Bible verse. And sometimes we ask questions about It's not rocket science. It's just simple little things. My, my daughter, Olivia, is 22 now. She said one of the biggest things for her was when we prayed, taking her to school, uh, in, down, going down the road. We would often pray. If we didn't have time to pray at the table, we would pray going down the road. And honestly, I, I felt like a failure. I was like, hey, I'm the preacher, and we, we didn't even get our prayer out. Before we got out the door, we're praying going down the road. How, how awesome are we? And I had no idea. She said that was one of the biggest things about my childhood is, is every morning, praying before I went in that school. See, you don't have to have it all figured out. Dad, listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mom, you, if you're thinking the, thi- the thing I can do is just too small, just do that thing. Because God can do amazing big things with your small efforts. Can I get an amen on that? Just, just start right there. We're going to have godly conversations. Here's number two, make church non-negotiable. I, I feel very, very strongly about this. You've, you've done that today. You've decided we're going to do this thing. Say to your family, I I don't mean you say these words, but with your actions, what you're saying is, this is a priority for us. One day a week for one hour in that day, we're going to stop everything else we're doing because the risen Savior and creator of the universe died on a cross for us. We're going to give him that hour and we're going to hear his word spoken into our lives. He gets that time. And you know what? With, with technology, even if you're on vacation or if you have to work on a Sunday, there's still a way for you to go online. You can watch it. You can sit your family together and you can say, you know what? There's Because listen, there's a lot of good things going on in your life. A lot of family, a lot of sporting activities, a lot of vacations, working weekends. There's a lot of stuff that are going on, That, 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 that f- household stuff, repairs. All of these things are good things. But when you make a statement that says all this you know, this crazy churn of activity is going to stop one day a week because God is bigger than all this other stuff. You're making a statement to your children, to your family. And, and, and listen, the fact that you are here is bigger than anything that happens here today. Oh, I, I believe that. You, you might think that's controversial because some big things do happen here, healings, miracles, salvation. I believe the fact that you're here sets a precedent that is generationally going to be blessing your family. The fact that you're here is bigger than what's going on when you're here. You make a statement that this matters to us. There's a family in our church that's very busy, a business owner. He travels a lot on the weekends. His wife has been going through some sickness. She can't be out in the public sometimes. And, and, And when they bought a house, they bought a house on the lake, and they remodeled the basement. Took me downstairs to show me this gigantic screen and three rows of theater seating. And they didn't tell me, they never made, made one mention of there's going to be ball games played here or movies we're going to watch here. All they said was, with our crazy schedule, we can't always get to church, but man, we're, we got our own little church right here. And if it's a Monday afternoon or if it's Wednesday night, we're going to turn on that screen. We're going to worship together as a family. There's a way for you to say, this is a priority for us. Make sure church is non-negotiable. Here's the last thing I'll tell you. You want to turn your family into a family that's hungry for God, You lead from the front. Lead from the front, not from the back. You want your family to go through this door, best thing for you to do is tear it off the hinges and go in front of them. Just kick the door down and say, this is where we're going. Because leading people, I've always said this, leading people is like moving a rope. If you stand behind it and try to push it, it won't go anywhere. But if you get in front of it and you hold it in your hand, that rope will follow you anywhere you want to go. That's the way your family will be, Dad. Stand up, be the man of God. God's called you to be. I'm not asking you to be pre- uh, perfect. I'm not perfect. Just be in the in the moment. Be present. Step up and lead, moms. Step up and lead. You don't have to have all the theology down. You don't have to be perfect in it. You might have lost your temper five minutes ago, threw the frying pan at dad. Dear God, help me to calm down and not kill the man of this house. That's a good little prayer. Okay, have that prayer. And then, and then do something else for God. Lead by example. Step out in front of your, of your family. I've learned you don't have to be militant about it. not have to be like, you better do this and you better do that. That's another thing one of our family said when I, I text them about this, is I like the fact that, that each person worships God a little bit differently and you're not beaten into one kind of way of doing it. You know, I've got two beautiful girls I've raised. I never one time, never one time, Told them not to go out and have sex before marriage. Never told him one time not to get drunk, not to do drugs, not to party. Never told them that one time. Because if you're pursuing the God who is good, you don't have to try to work so hard at being good. Yeah. My 22-year-old is married now. She dated one guy in her life. She waited. She prayed. She knew what she was looking for. She, she was hungry for righteousness, and God filled her she married that one guy my 16 year old she's got such high standards she's convinced there's no guys available to meet her standards which I agree with I don't know why you're hanging out with them hairy legged boys anyways just stay here with your daddy no honestly I tell her there It just has to be one honey just one don't have to be ten And there's a lot of good godly young men coming up in this church I'm proud of you godly young men but you can set your standards. And you, you might say to yourself, well, you know, that's great for you little crazy, weird preacher families. You got that weird, y'all are weird. And maybe we're weird, but can I just ask you, do you want to be normal in this culture? You want what this culture calls normal? Because I'm going to tell you what that is. That means by the time your kid's 18 years old, they've had eight sexual partners. That's what's normal in this culture. I don't want normal. I'll be very, very happy to have weird. Can I get an amen from you? anybody who wants to be weird? Yeah. Because God knows what your standards need to be. And when you chase the one who is good, you don't have to work so hard at being good. And listen, I'm raising my family exactly as I would raise my family if I were a plumber or an engineer. This is no different. Never one time have any of my kids ever heard me say the following, you know, your daddy's a preacher and people are watching us. You just better make sure, not one time, they'll never hear that. What they have heard me say is, you know what, we have standards because we are Christ followers and because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us, we're gonna be his followers and this is how our family lives. Doesn't matter who we are, what our job is or what the community around us thinks, we wanna be who God has called us to be. I wanna just tell you, you can get there. You can get where God wants you to be. The most amazing, most beautiful thing about being a Christ follower and what, what difference, differentiates Jesus from all the false man-made religions of the world is every man-made religion says you've got to do this and earn your way to get to me. You've got to go to this location, some of them different places on the planet you've got to go to, and you've got to do all these different things to earn your way into God's presence. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus: is wherever you are, when you decide you need him and you want him, he comes to that place. There's nobody like him in the world. He comes right there to that place. So today when you say, God, I I need you more. God, I want to be the the leader of my home. God, I want to be the kind of teenager that you want me to be. That moment, God meets you in that place. He takes you by the hand and he starts walking you to the place that he knows you need to be. And that, that moment can be right here, right now. It's your choice. It's like the same choice that Joshua gave to the people of Israel, when they were standing among all these pagan gods and and a culture that was flowing like a river away from God, he said, you make your own choice in Joshua 24 and 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He said, this day, you choose, choose this day and God will meet you right here as you make that choice.